Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We will be in that vicinity on Sunday night, Raf, uh, for the Nichols medal count, the NTFL's Night of Nights. We will talk about our predictions later on in the show, but... The juniors also celebrated their best and fairest uh, last week. Were you lucky enough to win a league medal as a junior? Nah, mate. Um, unfortunately not. I um, I passed the ball off too many times, I think. Or yeah. <laughs> we needed the guru here, so he would have been in his yeah. element as a as a Hickman medalist. But some pretty exciting times. Uh, Relton Roberts' son won a 16s medal in the Division Two 16s, I believe. We had Brody Grace winning the medal at Southern Districts Junior. He won the under 18s a Barla medal. Uh, the under-16s, Hickman, the one that the Guru won, went to Tyrese Turner from the Darwin Buffaloes. The big one, I think, was the Marika Carlton, so a young youth girls footballer from Palmerston, winning both the under-16s girls medal and the under-18s girls medal. I have honestly in my life never seen that happen before where someone has won two different age groups, the league medal in both of them. So I reckon that might be one to watch for AFLW clubs. Going through, we have uh, Leo Weddle from the Pint Football Club who won the under-14s Lou Fat, which is the Division Two medal, and the under-14 Gunderson went to Markel Albert. So Darwin Buffalo is picking up a couple of wins there in the juniors. The under-14s girls was Peggy Rock. I always... It's good to have a, a, a someone under the age of 14 with the name Peggy, but she's won the last two uh, league medals for Nycliffe. Uh, she won on 28 votes too, so absolutely yeah, romped it in, won it very, very easily. Um, and from all reports, is a star. Hey, I noticed that we stop at 14s. Now, I'm, I'm a school teacher. I've coached junior football. I'm not one of those people who, who thinks it's a win-at-all-cost sort of attitude, but I think it's a little ridiculous that they, they started giving out an under-12s league medal and then they just canned it. The only two winners that I know of were Joel Jeffrey and Adam Kieran, a junior who was an outstanding uh, player at, at that age. Do you reckon that it was a little bit of an overkill um, getting rid of that under-12s medal? Yeah, it's probably they probably realised it was maybe... You know, the 12s, you're sort of still playing mm. for a bit of fun and still learning a game and instead of, you know. But, yeah, if you if you started something, you might as well run with it. Um, yeah, under 10s is definitely too young. It's it's learning, oh, yeah. about learning the game and be, becoming a team player and mm. um, and all that. But, yeah, under 12 is probably competitive enough where you could give out a medal. I just think, like, it was called the Atkinson medal, a big honour right. for his family and, and for him himself. And then, you know, to take that away and... I think it's a little bit strange. Like I said, I mean, I understand it's not about win at all costs and all that, but I think you can celebrate good things. I don't mind them having a mercy rule and, and yep. not keeping the score if it's going to be, you know, 180 to 1 or something like that, give them a 10-goal win. But I think rewarding Reward, outstanding yep. uh, performances isn't anything bad. It's not like you're giving out a, a, a dunce medal to yeah, the worst yeah, player yeah. in the yeah. comp or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, I don't know, mate. Gives I you something to strive for as well, I guess. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that... Um, Adam Kirinua Jr. And, and even obviously Joel Jeffrey's gone on to some big things at the moment but I'm sure they've still got that medal somewhere yeah. looking back on it and, and have good memories of their times uh, in the junior football so yeah I would have done that hey we are going to start reviewing some of the games last week obviously the big one well the one we'll start with at least there were two big ones in the men's Premier League but St Mary's 13-8-86 defeating Nycliffe 8-3-51 
Five goal performance from Star St. Mary's midfielder Dylan Lant was the catalyst for that 35-point win. Uh, one of the Nichols medals favourites, as we will talk about later, but he was clearly the most influential player on the ground. Yeah, definitely um, took it up another level um, to kick five goals in any game, but let alone a final to get your team into the, the next round. Um, yeah, sensational effort by Dylan. Pretty much... Uh, like, he's not going to get any Nichols votes, clearly, because it was a finals game, but I thought that game cemented his position as the player of the season. Um, you know, we talk about Lant as that accumulator type. He's averaged over 30 possessions a game. He runs both ways. He's added that hard edge to his game. Um, and as we've touched on multiple times, he's, yeah, he finds a lot of the football. But to go forward and, and to be able to break that tag and be a dangerous forward option and kick five goals in a final nonetheless, and it wasn't a high-scoring final. It wasn't like he got to the end of five um, as Saints kicked 25 yeah, goals. He kicked goals, five yeah. out of, I think, the first sort of 10 yep. and then gave a few off. Jackson Calder also kicked five um, and had a great game. But... Yeah, an unbelievable performance there, I reckon. Lucas Jellyman-Turner, I thought, had a really good game as well. What does he bring to the team? I think he's just, he's run an ability to, you know, to leave his man once been, he knows Saints have got the ball. Um, he's a very attacking halfback, but the fitness and the work he puts in to keep himself at an elite level, like as um, mm. soon as it's turned over, um, he's one of the first players backing on his man and he's, he's you know, ability to run and cover off and help other players as well. Um, so that's what I really like about uh, Jelly, he 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 runs hard as anybody, and and both ways. So, you know, most ha- attacking halfbackers sort of, you know, might not get back in time and stop their mm. own man. So they've got to, you know, really rely on. Oh, take take it in um, how many times they leave their man and take off and go for a run. But he always knows he's going to make it back. So he gives us a, sort of a license to, to go as many times as you want, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, some of these attacking halfbacks, which we've seen a lot in the competition over the last couple of years, and this year particularly, uh, Dill Collis, you know, Jelly Manton, obviously a, a flying option type, but I would like to see Southern Districts put a player on him, not necessarily a hard tag, but I think they could almost sacrifice the game of one of their forwards just so blokes like Jelly Manton can't link up and run down the field and, and do as, he's, as he pleases. If you were coaching, what would you do to nullify someone like a Jelly Manton or one, or one of the many attacking halfbacks that we have in the competition? Yeah, it's almost like one of your your better small forwards have to go to him as well. Mm. So he realizes, you know, like oh, I'm on a dangerous forward here. So I like, you know, my running off has to sort of be restricted, and, and you're more worried about your direct opponent than I'm going to get on the end of the sandball or get it to the wing and be the switch of play. So yeah, it's a it's a you know whether you want to send one of your dangerous smalls to him, so he has to really lock down and play that lockdown role. But I know Saints will. You know, Chopper would see that straight away and make um, probably try and get uh, the whiz over there and break that tag. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely a, a softer run with um, just to, you know, every time he does run off, he's got someone right behind him ready to tackle him and, and put that pressure on him. So he, he's limited with his ball use, I guess. Lant led all comers with 23 disposals. Jelly Man Turner had 22. The skipper, Nate Paredes, had 21. Jay Boyle had 18, so he was an inclusion into the team. Led the Saints for inside 50s with seven. They Do the club, do Saints have a flying conundrum? Do they have, I know there's a bunch of, um, there was a bit of, they didn't play Sam Fowler last yeah. week to play Jay Boyle. That could get tricky because I do like Sam Fowler as a footballer, especially on a dry day uh, where he can use his speed. Um, gee, there must be some headaches, good headaches, mind you, for Coach Anthony Vallejo. Yeah, it's definitely a headache. Um, I didn't get back to the footy club last night because um, I didn't have to read out my side until next Thursday. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I wasn't sure who they um, the three flyers have gone in with this week. I haven't had a chance to look at the the, the team for the week, but yeah, that's it's sometimes it's a good headache to have, but at the same time, you know, it's it's it'll be a hard hard position. Like mm. I said, I've got five or six blokes missing out every week, and you know that alone gives me a headache. But to have you know quality players, um, you know Fowler, you know he's been in our, our best sort of three mm. or four forwards all year, and and what he brings when the ball hits the ground in that forward line, so. I think it's it comes down to the weather as well, so I think that's why we went with a bigger body um, this uh, last week. So, you know, it's a hard one. You don't know if it's going to pour down rain this weekend or not. It seems to be clearing up. So, mm. you know, whether Sammy Fowler's uh, up here and you've got got him sitting there and you change it on the day, I don't know if you're allowed to. I don't, I'm not sure yeah, with all these grey area rules we spoke about <laughs> earlier in the show, mate. But yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting one who he goes with Chopper. So it's mm. a, it's a it's a definitely a headache. Cameron Islet was really good for the Tigers. 23 disposals, 20 of them kicks. Of course, Islet has a long and decorated history with the St. Mary's Football Club. I thought Simon Deary and uh, former AFL player Hamish Hartlett were also excellent for the Tigers, really stepping up in, I was going to say Brody Philo's absence, but it was it was just that the human glove had him, uh, Kieran Parnell, and, and restricted him to just the eight disposals. It was a highly entertaining contest, of plenty of feeling in the game. Always, uh, always, a, a, always very interesting. Those games between Nycliffe and St Mary, so much feeling in it, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, mate. And to play against any of your ex, you know, anyone playing against their old team or ex team, um, but Cammy Ollett, once again, you know, with the possessions he had, the game he had, twenty twenty odd touches. It, Shows that the the player he is, and mm. you know coming back and missing the last few games um, as well to come out and still be almost your highest possession get off of your team. That's just Camiola to a to a T. Yeah, an absolute legend. We might throw to a break, Raf. Uh, plenty more to come here. We've got to review the games. We're hoping to talk to Pint Women's Premier League coach Rick Nolan. This is SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We were talking about the elimination semi-final last week where St Mary's defeated Nycliffe by 35 points. Of course, Dylan Lant dominated five goals, 23 disposals, capping off an unbelievable season for him uh, and a highly entertaining contest with plenty of feeling in the game. Nycliffe and Saints, we did speak about it before the break, but has that been the best rivalry uh, over the last sort of decade or so? I suppose before then you had the St. Mary's Wanderers rivalry, which is amazing as well. But I think uh, I think over the last sort of half a decade, at least the last five or six years, and since Cami Islet's departure, that Nycliffe-Saints game's always had plenty of feeling. Yeah, definitely, and, uh, and to lose one of your, you know, your star players and junior champions as well um, adds that bit of extra, you know, salt to the to the game or the spice or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. So yeah, definitely has been a big rivalry, and um, you know, Saints get another get, get another one on top of them. So, but yeah, Warwick, um, Nycliffe have the the couple of premierships three in a row. Not many NTFL clubs have done that. Um, so you know. Take my hat off to that that Nycliffe group and um, Buxy and the, and the crew he's had together over the last four or five years. Yeah. 
I think that it, one of my favourite moments of the game was when Cameron Islet hit Dylan Lant with a big tackle and then it was only about three or four minutes later where Jack Lant was reported in the third quarter. The, for, big, the big little brother. Yeah, yeah, for squaring it up. So um, my question to you, have you ever been in a situation like that with your brother on the footy field where you've seen maybe something that you didn't quite approve of or, or the other way around where Xavier's seen you get hit and then, and then all of a sudden it's on and the, and the Clark boys are teaming up together? No, nah, not really, mate. I think it was uh, when I first came back from my uh, Melbourne days um, when the younger brother, Marius, was running around playing some senior footy and oh, I think yeah. he caught a couple of high knocks and I had to run over for him and, um, you know, tell blokes that, you know, just watch yourself when you get the ball <laughs> now. But, yeah, it, um, you know, I'm not one to bloody take blokes out behind play or do anything dirty. I, if you've got the footy, I'll, I'll try and tackle it as hard as I can. So it was more mainly for the little brother because I don't think too many people could catch Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> No, fair enough. Hey, we will talk about the big game this weekend, but there is another game to review, and that was the semi-final, the second semi-final between Waratah and Southern Districts, where the Warriors 16-9-105 flogged Southern District 7-7-49 to be the first team to book a spot in next week's grand final. A potential injury concern around the Crocs was Jake McQueen, who had his elbow heavily strapped early in the game. Uh, there was plenty of sore boys at the Crocs. Matt Dennis, Cam ellis Yolman, and Fraser Driscoll all looked really sore and iced up on the bench during the final quarter. Uh, Dean Staunton is one of a few players who will return for the Crocs this week. But Waratah, after a big win like that, we did speak about it earlier in the show, but they've got to be the clear premiership favourites now. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, to, to go in with those two games... Um, you know, beat last year's premiers, um, especially losing to Saints a week before by the one point. And even then, we, we all thought, oh, Saints have got them. You know, they know how to slow them down. And then they've come out and proved us wrong last week. And then on, on the weekend, just gone. You know, to do that to Southern Districts, um, yeah, definitely puts them... Uh, I, I don't know. That's mm. Rob, where, you know, where's the guru when you need prices <laughs> for, um, you know, premiership favourites? He's probably got them down to a dollar, dollar fifty or something, maybe even shorter. So I don't, I don't know how the odds work as, as well as a guru. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely clear favourites now, mate. And um, yeah, they'll be, they'll be um, ready to go. Mm. I'm loving the form of Waratah big man Arnold Kirby. It's a great strength when you have a skillful ruckman who can go forward and kick goals. I think he's kicked almost 100 goals in a few leagues down south, so that's almost a string to his bow that I reckon a lot of opposition clubs may not know about yet, and it's something that, say, if, if Darcy Hope, who we'll talk about soon, if someone like that goes down um, or, or Jaden Magro isn't firing, uh, Kirby could be an option. Obviously, of course, um, they're not blessed with multiple ruckmen, so it's going to be very hard to take Kirby out of that ruck, but just such a valuable player. How good is it when a ruckman can go forward and, and make an impact up forward, just like we see at AFL level now with Max Gorn and, and Brody Grundy? Yeah, definitely. And you, you mentioned um, Matty Dennis and what he's able to do mm. and, you know, what Brenda Grenfell's done for the Saints over the last few yeah. years as well. Um, he un Unlucky he didn't get to play in last year's grand final, but, you know, if you had him there last year... Um, but the previous years, you know, against Nycliffe in that grand final, I think he kicked the first one or two goals. So any ruckman that can add those strings to their bow is definitely a, definitely a, a must-have in your side, I, I believe, at this day and age, and mm. especially the, the way the game's getting quicker and the stand-on-the-mark rule. Um, and Arnold Kirby, yeah, great season, big fella, and um, hopefully you have a, another 
great, great game next week. I did make a note to talk about uh, Grenfell later in the show and how intriguing that matchup is with Matt Dennis this week. So we will elaborate that when we go through the previews. But Darcy Hope was another one who was huge again, especially early. He's an exceptional form up forward for Waratah. He's a contested marking beast. Um, and, and the thing about Hope is that he's rising against these better teams in the competition. He kicked seven goals in a loss against St. Mary's a few weeks ago and has been excellent in both finals games over the past fortnight. I said uh, on my social media that midway through the season, I didn't have him in my top 25 players. And, and look, the guru tells me about that every week. But I'm not going to throw the guru under the bus here when he has no right <laughs> of reply. But some of the players he told me sh- who should have been replaced for him are, are clearly in the top 25 still. But uh, there is no doubt that Hope would be in the 25 if I were to do that list again. How important is it? And it seems like an obvious question, but having played with the likes of Peter McFarlane, how important is that hit-up centre-half forward that you can just kick in his direction and they'll either take a mark or bring it to ground? Yeah, and Darcy Hope's got that. He's he's a big, big body mm. as well. Um, so there's not many big, big backmen um, nah. in the comp. And you know, you know, look at St Mary's key defender is and Matty Green. And and no disrespect to Matty Green, he's you know he doesn't get to the gym mm. as much or, as anybody else. And you know, he he relies more on his natural talent and ability. And you know, he's good enough to play on these big, bigger mm. bodies. But at at the same time, you know, if you get ten contests and you're going up against this big body of Darcy Hope, you know. I think just the strength and, and the size of him alone, um, you know, always leans the contest towards his favour. So, you know, yeah, he's 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 a big crucial one for Waratahs and for them to win, he, he's definitely got to have a big game next week and kick his four or five goals. I think it's been great coaching by Ryan Ayres. So, obviously, Jaden Magro has been the main forward for Waratah all season, but now Magro's playing sort of, not as a decoy role, but he's playing further up the ground. They're releasing him. He's having stints through the midfield, and they're putting Darcy Hope closer to goal, which um, before Waratah played St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the matchup between the Wiz and Jaden Magro, and it was an intriguing one. But I'm thinking that if St. Mary's can make it to the grand final, everyone will be talking about the potential matchup between Green and uh, Hope. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that could almost be the most important matchup on the ground. Very, very interesting stuff there. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Raph, we have just reviewed the big round of action last weekend in the, the semi-final round for the NTFL Men's Premier League. St. Mary's 13-8-86 defeated Nycliffe 8-3-51. And in the game to get into the grand final, Waratah 16-9-105 defeated Southern District 7-7-49. Hey, I think the big story or one of the big stories to come out of that game was Waratah's Jack O'Sullivan has been a bit of an unheralded player in defence, has been a very good player for the club all season. And he had a really big hit on uh, Southern District's Jack Sexton. Now, I didn't have the best view of it, so it's not about criticising the MRP here or the tribunal. But I thought when I saw it at the time, it was good hard footy, and, and hopefully he hasn't hit the head there because he would be in a bit of trouble if he's if he's gone high. Um, but Jack Sexton was a bit of a sore boy for a while. And apparently, I haven't seen the vision, but apparently a bit of contact was made to the head. That was what his initial charge was. And he was originally offered a three-match ban and could have accepted the two weeks under the early guilty plea, but he's now free to play. Bit of an interesting one, isn't it? I know, and and again, it's going to sound like a criticism here, but I did say, um, extending on one of uh, Robbie Hale's good, bad and uglies the other week, that the tribunal has uh, an inability to make tough decisions when it's going to cost someone a grand final or or, or a life ban or something like that. And uh, it sort of seems like it's following the trend here, doesn't it? 
Yeah, definitely, and um, it's it's always hard to comment on an incident I haven't seen or, mm. um, but yeah, it's like you said to to make the the tough decision or like the guru mentioned a few weeks back and he had a crack at the the MRP. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a funny one I see, but where you can be offered three weeks and then all of a sudden, mm. no, no, it's all good, mate. It's um, you're good to go. So that's that's the one I can't understand or can't work out. Like um, you know, to be offered that many weeks up front. Mm. Um, you know, on on division and and what they've seen, and then, um, and then like you just mentioned, if, if it looks better, oh, it looks worse on on division, <laughs> but you can still get away and um, free to play. Is it's a, a lot of questions going to be asked by um, a lot of clubs and a lot of people in the system, I guess. Yeah, there must be some good lawyers going around at clubland being able to get these players off. If I was a player, it, you know, you know me, I'm not. I, I avoid the hard stuff in footy, mate. I've never had a never had to go to the tribunal, so yeah, um, I, I don't know about yourself. <laughs> Have you had been in trouble with the tribunal? Oh, I've had a couple of headbutts there, mate, but yep. um, they were clear, and I, I you know, I, I know I've done it, so I'd, I'd accept just, it. Just so, cop the whack. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's more of being a. You know, with that 50-50 um, or hard, going hard at the footy, I've never had to be in that position. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's a, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to have a crack, but, um, you know, sometimes, like, you're, you're playing for Buffaloes at the moment, mate. Yeah. I think that if that was you um, in that same situation, um, being a Buffaloes player, you'd yeah. probably get the three weeks. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying they're favourite, you know, yeah, like yeah. they'll lean towards anyone, but that might, might have just gave it away to say so. Nah, fair enough. I know, um, <laughs> mate, you read the social media uh comments and and a lot of buff people feel the same and and obviously look as you said Ralph we don't want to turn this into a oh if it was buffs this yeah, would happen yeah. if it was saints <laughs> that would happen if it was waratahs but um yeah i think it's really interesting on the surface hey we need to talk about the big game this weekend between st mary's and southern districts it's do or die it's the preliminary final sometimes the best week in footy the preliminary final it's um at least at afl level when we have like the a big supporter base going. The grand finals attracts the neutrals. The prelims attract the diehard. I suppose it's a little bit different in local footy, but I'm looking forward to this game. We will get into that, uh, if not after the break, a little bit later on into the show. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter.